Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Southern Tomfoolery Unlimited, the interview show where we like to STFU for once and listen to the wonderful words of our fantastic guests. I'm your host, Zach, joined as always by my good friend, your good friend, and everyone's favorite space dad, Adam Kelly. How's it going, bro? Pretty good, pretty good. How are you? Doing great, man, and uh, I'm excited. Today we have some great guests lined up. Fellow Starfinders, Aslanti Punching Funny Guys, and creators of the novel visual campaign, Dice Versa. Welcome to the show, Nick and Tony. Hey, guys. So hey. glad to have you. Hey, How's it going? Us. Good. How you doing? Great. Great. Awesome. Yeah, man. How your mama do? <laughs> <laughs> excited to be here. How your mama do? Awesome. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, before we get into the show, Let's take a minute to get to know a little bit about each of you. So, who are you? What do you do? How did you get into the TTRPG space? We want to know how the cast of Dice Versa came together. Sure, yeah. Um, So, yeah, we are both game designers, video game designers. Uh, We actually met working at a company in San Diego called Jam City, working on uh, mobile games. Uh, The Cookie Jam franchise, I don't know if you guys are familiar but that's what we were working on as game designers mm-hmm. and, you know, the entire crew, not just Tony and I, but Chris and Eric as well. And, uh, yeah, we we started doing like a work game of uh, fifth edition. And then from there, we would just like, you know, talk about how we wanted to make a actual play show. And I would say what I wanted it to sort of look like and that sort of thing. And that's sort of how it started. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So interesting the similarities between our, our group and yours because we we I mean we're not programmers but uh, we we did start in five e and and then move into Starfinder when we went into the actual play space mm-hmm. so I've always thought that, and and of course we both played uh, Aeon Throne to start so <laughs> those parallels have always been quite interesting to me absolutely all right so now that we know a little bit more about you can you give us a rundown of what your show is out there for those who don't know, because it's a little different than your normal actual play (laughs) podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I figured this question was going to come up and I was sort of racking my brain. Like, how do I describe this? Because I was, you know, I'll try to describe it to people who don't know what an actual play is. And that's especially hard, but (laughs) at least your guys' audience sort of knows what an actual play, or definitely knows what an actual play is. I would hope that if they're so. listening to this show that they know what an actual <laughs> yeah. play is. So. You know, I'm 130 episodes <laughs> in and I really don't understand what y'all are doing exactly. here. <laughs> no, so that makes it a it's little a bit play. easier to, to explain what it is. So yeah, it's a very heavily edited actual play. Uh, you know, we try to keep it sounding as natural as possible, but we take out anything that sort of I don't know, slows down the narrative, if that makes sense, Uh, whether that's like looking up rules or talking, you know, refreshing somebody's memory of what happened, just like cutting out all of the in-between stuff so that we only keep what's really important to the narrative while still trying to keep it sound pretty natural and fun. And we also add like uh, custom character art that Tony does. Uh, which is phenomenal. If you guys haven't seen it, please check it out because it's super cool. The art that Tony does. Uh, and we also add like stock photos for background images to add like setting and we add official art from the Starfinder books and all of that stuff just to try to make it as like cohesive and like faithful to Starfinder as possible, I guess. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, we, so uh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, yeah, just major difference between us, you know, is, is we try to make it, you know, mo- most people try to make it audibly immersive. We we decided to go that extra step and also make it visually immersive, so people can right. watch what's going on, you know, as well. If they, you know, if that's that helps them, you know, vi- visualize everything. If you know, for people who are more more visual uh, learners and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our, um, <clears throat> one of the ways that I like to describe like what the show sort of looks like is sort of like a visual novel or like mm-hmm. a visual novel game, you know, or like like even like Fire Emblem where you just have like a static image of a character in a space and then you have text or dialogue going over it. Sort of like that. That's Yeah, that's, I definitely got that <laughs> like old school JRPG vibe from it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's... You know, uh, it's it's not necessarily animated in the way that you would think um, a cartoon or something would be animated, right? But mm-hmm. it, it's static images that are moving in some capacity. Right. Um, lots of visual effects. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the production value definitely demonstrates that you guys have some kind of expertise in production. So did your background in game design, is that where you kind of got these skills to create this sort of... Uh, this medium that you're using? So I actually have a degree in film production. Um, so that helps a lot, uh, especially <laughs> yeah. on the video side. Uh, we've, <laughs> or the, the audio editing side of it has been definitely a learning process. And, you know, I think it could be better than where it is now, but I think it's in a fairly good spot. And, uh, but we yeah, learning, as far as we like, learning. Exactly. As far as the skills that we brought to the show, uh, largely from my college experience. And then um, I think just the fact that we're all sort of on the same page when it comes to like role playing and what we want the presentation of the show to be um, really helps, you know, solidify that and and drive that home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as far as the audio editing, um, it definitely has a, a quick pace to it. You know, when you're watching the show, there isn't a whole lot of really dead, dead air or, and I, I think you guys have, have done a really good job of like trimming the fat as it were, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot some people really enjoy the, the uncut as it, as <laughs> it, I guess you could say that that way. But I, you know, I appreciate the, the smoothness with which your transitions happen and everything. Well, in the visual medium too, like you, you, you don't really want to have to visually represent looking up rules or bad memories, as he said, of like, okay, so what happened? Well, you know, do I, <laughs> you don't want to have that space where you're trying to fill it with artwork that you've already used. And, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> or, or you just leave it on what's on the screen while you guys are talking about it. And it just, yeah, it just becomes a little bit of a, <clears throat> of a problem. If you leave yeah, all we, that stuff in, we, definitely go in and, and cut out a lot of the fat like we we painstakingly go into the audio and just be like yeah cut this out it's like oh there's an um here get that shit out of here you know there's a little awkward pause here get that out of here um but yeah we we do try to keep in the stuff that you know the the, the tiny bit of you know chit chat that you know still keeps it light and entertaining to to remind people this is an actual play we are actually playing and and having fun and not just doing a radio play <laughs> 
Oh, sure. right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't want to misrepresent. Mm-hmm. There's still jokes. Oh, jokes yeah, yeah. are still in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still a personality in the show, oh, yeah. without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. like I said, we try to keep it sounding as natural as possible. Um, but I do think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I do think that the pacing of the show is sort of where we've really, like, nailed it. I think that we've done a very good job of just keeping the show like keeping the story flowing like i was saying before Mm -hmm. and just keeping the narrative going at a pretty good clip to keep people interested because i think that's that's like what i bounce off of when it comes to actual plays um like critical role for example like obviously paved the way and is one of the best actual plays out there but at the same time there's a lot of distraction happening in that game right there's a lot of side chit chat there's a lot of rules looking up and that sort of stuff yeah, you that, get uh, all four hours and exactly yes. exactly and you they're four hours long four hours mm-hmm. and so you know for me personally i find that i will tune out when they start deviating from the narrative and then i'll miss something and i'll have to go back and that turns a four-hour episode into a six-hour episode for me you know and so i was like uh how can we mitigate that and then uh, I got really into the McElroy's, the Adventure Zone, um, and they do a little bit better job of like sticking to the narrative and focusing on the narrative, but then they sort of let the rules slip and they don't put so much focus on that stuff. And uh, I wanted call. to find like, yeah, I wanted to find <laughs> like a nice medium in between those and also just like keep it, keep the pace up and keep it flowing pretty quickly um and yeah like tony was saying we cut out all the ums and we even go through and like you might have noticed or hopefully you didn't notice that during combat i'll cut out all of the times that like i prompt somebody for their turn like i won't say you know chris it's your turn it'll just go right into his character's turn so that really helps just keep everything flowing in one narrative Yeah, the yep. pacing of it, especially in the visual medium, is a really fantastic strength of yours. And one thing that stuck out to me immediately, and I was yeah. like, "This is this is really well done. This is exactly how it needs to be for a visual medium." Yeah, you know? it's, so, it, it definitely stands out. Like right from the get go, you're like, "Okay, this this has this has a really." I mean, if it does. For as many static images as there are, it does feel like you're watching an animated show because yeah. it's just, it's just, it is moving, you know. Yeah, For thanks, sure, guys. And and speaking <laughs> of um of of static images, uh, Tony, you know, you're you're quite the artist, man, <gasps> and you have uh you've drawn the artwork for all of the characters on Dice Versa. Um, and, and you've even drawn some things for STF, including a fantastic <laughs> Sonic OC of, of me. Uh, <laughs> I apologize which, which for was, that, by the way. No, man. Don't you dare. Don't you Don't dare. Don't you dare yeah. apologize for that. Uh, that, was, that was top-notch memeing, dude. You really uh, brought joy to so many people with that one, so, including <laughs> me. That was great. I really enjoyed it. But uh, how long have you been drawing and sketching, man? And you know what, what about visual art appeals to you? Oh man, I've as far if if you ask my parents, like <laughs> I've been drawing since I was a little kid. Uh, one one of my mom's favorite stories that she likes to tell uh, is how when I was just like a, a wee babe, 
you know, I had drawn Ninja Turtles on my parents' wall, apparently in crayon. <laughs> but oh, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I I just was always drawn to drawing. Um, you know, since I was a kid, uh, you know, I grew up on cartoons and stuff like that, and games. Uh, you know, so I I always loved drawing like Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, Dragon Ball Z. Um, you know, I originally actually wanted to, to be a cartoonist when I was a little kid. Um, but then, you know, I started playing, uh, you know, some video games, like particularly like Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, uh, Metal Gear Solid, um, Shadow of the Colossus, these like heavily, you know, story driven cinematic games. And I'm like, you know, I was like, I was like, holy shit, these are really freaking cool. You know, I want to get into games. You know, so so that's where my career interests switched over to doing games. Um, but I still love to draw, you know, and I just I used drawing to kind of then supplement, you know, that. So, you know, I would I would like to draw and, you know, use my drawings to kind of help help my game design stuff. You know, you know, I like yeah. drawing maps and you know, doing characters, obviously and, characters, yeah, yeah, yeah for and sure. Doing like sprite art and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, you know, that that's how I I kept up with it and stayed in it. So I I still do draw every once in a while. Most of the time, I use it for you know D and D drawing maps and stuff like that. But uh, uh, it's definitely not as strong as like because I have you know obviously since we're in the game industry, we have friends who are. Like their their title Graphic is you know, designers, you know professional artists yeah, yeah professional yeah. artists and you know my stop my stuff is nowhere near as good as them because <laughs> since I right. kind of you know changed my focus from just art to you know game design and then supplemented with art, uh, so it's it, still really good. Eh, thank you very much. But you know yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I still I still try I still practice. It's not you know I I just. And maybe I'm just not nowhere near as fast or quite as good as, you know, someone who gets paid to do that stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, man, but you're, but you're, you're utilizing this in, mm -hmm. in this, you know, visual narrative medium. And I think that honestly, your art brings a lot of character to the characters and <laughs> mm -hmm. is, is distinctly like to me, like it's, it's, that's part of Dice Versa, right? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. The you know the, the character design shapes the identity uh, of the show. I mean, it's, it's certainly one of the first things that like you really attach to the show is because you know you opens up with that space that bridge spaceship bridge and then you meet the characters right mm -hmm. and boom there there they are and they're they're really well represented in like full full life you know they have life in them you know and uh, yeah don't sell yourself short just because you're not getting paid for it doesn't mean you're an artist you're not <laughs> yeah. an artist yeah. you know what I mean um, yeah, and you are publishing it right now through, with this show you mm -hmm. know it's yeah uh, so one of the moments that stood out to me when we were making the show was when Nevesa uh, at the very beginning Nevesa and Uko meet up in the hallway and you know it's the first time that we're meeting Uko we just met Nevesa and they're having a conversation and just like automatically, and I don't know if it's for everybody, but when I was watching it, like my eyes would just go between the characters, depending on who was talking. And when I realized that I was doing that, I was like, oh, this is actually like, this is working. This is something that <laughs> actually adds to the show and like really makes everything sort of come together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take just a second 
to kind of give a quick rundown of the characters. So you have a three character party, which is, you know, I've GM'd a three character campaign and found it to be very enjoyable because it's nice and smooth and fast. Um, but that's, we'll get to that. Uh, but take a second and just kind of give a quick rundown of each of the characters in the show. Uh, yeah, sure. Tony, why don't you tell them about your character first and then I'll tell them about the other two. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I play uh, Mishka Silverfur. He's a Vlaka from the planet Lajak. And uh, it seem, seems like Vlakas are getting pretty popular lately, but they're basically good space dog boys. Um, but yeah, I I kind of fell into the operative class again. Like I, I we actually my my previous character was also an operative. Um, and then I was going to switch characters, but then I don't remember, but I ended up falling back to operative. I'm like, maybe I need to play other classes, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I wanted to do play him differently. Like I didn't want to just, cause like to me, I kind of always want to default down to ghost cause ghost seems really cool as far as like the, the archetype for operative, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do something a little bit different. And, uh, so, uh, the, you know, in the lore for the Vlaka, they come from the planet Lajak, which is like a, I guess, a very harsh environment. Um, I, I think specifically, tundra. like yeah, like tundra and stuff like that. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun to to play off of that and make him a survivalist. Um, so that's why I went went with that uh, track with him. So he's the ex- explorer, right? I forget. I forget what the the, the specialization is, but. Something along those lines, but yeah, explorer. I, I believe it's explorer. It's one yeah. of the specs. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So he's you know he's an explorer, a survivalist, and uh, he's he's a, the pilot uh, on the show as well. So he he basically because he's the operative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, but essentially, he grew up on this planet. He he's um, the Vlaka for people that don't know um, are born two two thirds of the population are born either deaf or blind. Um, I right. thought that would be difficult to kind of deal with, uh, as being either one of those two. I thought it, I just, I don't know. I just felt like, eh, I'll just be not neither of those and be yeah. the normal boring, <laughs> that is an option. you know, uh, just, you know, sighted and hearing. Um, so he, he's basically one of the few of that had both in his tribe. And so he kind of served as a runner more or less for supplies. You know, it's like, oh, you, you can both see and hear. So you're going to be one of our runners to go. And, uh, so he would go to the cities to go get supplies for his clan. And then he saw the, you know, the ships and stuff and would see the sky and desired, you know, grew a desire to fly. And then so he, you know, shortly after that, he became a, uh, a delivery man essentially and he would deliver you know uh supplies to other planets you know ones that are particularly a little more dangerous you know to kind of put his his explorer aspect into play you know is that oh yeah i'll go to this planet since no one else wants to so i'll take this job and he'll you know that's how he would get you know work and recognition it's like oh this guy will fly to fucking anywhere so let's hire that dude <laughs> yeah nice Right on. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Excellent rundown of the character. I love getting to uh, give people an opportunity to like really just talk about their characters. Because everyone <laughs> loves to talk about their yep. characters, right? Uh, but Nick, can you give us a, just a quick rundown of maybe the other two characters yeah. in, the, in the show? So the other two, uh, we have Chris's character, 
who is Nevesa Voss. She's a human envoy, female. Um, she hails from the planet of Castravel, where she was sort of brought up by the Lashunta and was trained in psychic abilities. So she has like latent psychic powers that we've sort of been exploring and growing throughout the course of the mm-hmm. show. And then the other one is Eric's character, who is Uko Tyrannus Bronte. He's a dragonkin soldier. He's like 10 feet tall, real big brute guy, but he's the total teddy bear once you get to know him. Um, and yeah, he's just a dragonkin with a sort of a tragic past that we also explored in the first season. Um, and he is just the, you know, the one who goes out and demolishes every Islanti <laughs> that exists. He's, he's, <laughs> right often, he's often the crowd favorite and it, it always amuses me you know, uh, in, you know, on the show to see Uko next to like anybody else because, you know, his art scale is scaled appropriately. And it's just amusing because he always, I, you know, I drew him in this pose where he has like his arms crossed and it's just always hilarious to me. It's just like when he's like up and like consuming most of the screen space and like his bicep is like as big as my character's head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like he's a big boy. Yeah. He's really I, I, we'll, we'll talk a little more about the, the mini episodes, but I do want to say that I really did enjoy the recent mini episode with <laughs> Uko uh, ex- kind of hearing voices. I don't want to get too much into spoilers about it, but uh, yeah, that was a, a, a good time. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, really fun one to record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, I do want to talk about the AP that you're running as well, because it's one that we've run. But, right. but real quick, what... Uh, what drew you guys to the Starfinder system? Because, I, you know, Starfinder's a little more niche than Pathfinder and certainly more niche than 5e. And I know that Adam and I are constantly harping on how much we love this system and how great and, and you know, expansive it is. But what what got you guys into Starfinder as a system? So, oh, actually, like, um, I think we, we forgot our fourth character, the ship and and Cooper. <laughs> oh, oh, Cooper! Yeah, I guess he counts. He's not necessarily a player character, but yeah, I play <laughs> the ship's AI, whose name is Cooper. He's a uh, a Sheeran AI, and he talks like a pirate. For he does <laughs> talk like a pirate yes. for a reason, which you know, again, we are exploring that uh, during the course of the campaign. Uh, I have all of that stuff written out. I know you know the backstory for all of that stuff, but we're sort of exploring that as we go along so yeah cooper is fun people people like cooper yeah he's Uh, he's another character yeah he's another fan favorite that's why i wanted to make sure we do him justice and bring him up yeah nick does a fantastic yeah for sure nick does a fantastic job as cooper and i love it (laughs) thank you um but as far as how we got into starfinder um you know like i said we were playing fifth edition at work and i think um I think I just got like an email back when Starfinder was like first announced from Paizo, uh, you know, just like an announcement email. And I was like, oh, look at this, guys. There's uh, science fantasy, you know, sort of in the same universe as Pathfinder. And uh, we started looking at the initial art that they put out and we just got really excited for it even before it came out. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it came out, we did the commencement um, society module, the zero zero module i think it is um just to sort of dip our feet into it and we all really liked it and that's that's sort of the long and short of it it's sci-fi fantasy how could you not love it 
And right. You know, that's, that's do everything. Yeah, we you do everything in it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we we just like like Nick said, we just like heard about it and we're just like, oh, this sounds dope. Let's all play. And you know, we were just excited to play. And once we did, we we fell in love with the you know just the the gameplay and how how you know just how it runs. The setting. Yeah, yeah. And and then when we were actually talking about Dice Versa, then we were you know started looking into how, making characters and stuff like that. And I you know, had character concepts and stuff. And then I started to say, all right, I want to try to cement my character a little bit more in the actual setting. And I started reading the lore and I fell in love with the lore. It's the lore mm-hmm. for Starfinder is just so damn cool. There's just a lot of so cool good. shit. And I'm like, oh, so good. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we feel the same way. You know, Adam came to us and said, yo, here's this new system. It's called Starfinder. It's it's cool as shit. You yeah, know, please let's <laughs> we're, let's we're play this. this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But what what is a a a great setting without stories to tell within that setting? So when you all started, you chose the against the Aeon Throne AP, yep. much like Southern Tom Foolery. Um, so you know, we've often stated how much we love this adventure path. So I'm curious to what drew you to this AP as opposed to some of the other choices out there. You know, the honest answer is that it was less work for us because <laughs> there was an existing Roll20 module um, for Against the Aeon Throne. It's the only Starfinder module that is on Roll20, which is really unfortunate. But, uh, you know, we wanted to... Not only did we want to make a show about Starfinder, but we wanted to make it try to be as faithful to the setting as we could. And so... Sticking with the official Roll20 module, we felt that was going to give us access to more of the art. Uh, you know, a lot of the quote unquote official work is done for like the lighting and the map setting up and mm-hmm. all the NPC work is set up and all of that stuff. So that's, I would say that's like the main thing that drew, uh, drew us to against the Aeon Throne is just that that module existed. Um, because we had played. Uh, Dead Sons, and we were talking about doing Dead Sons um, beforehand, and we were actually when we were first going to start, we were going to start with um, Signal of Screams, which technically, uh, if you if you want to, you can do it right after Against the Iron Throne, as you guys know, because you did that. Mm-hmm. We um, know very well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, we are going to do that, and then, like, right as we are ramping up to do Signal of Screams, the Roll20 module for Against the Aeon Throne came out, and I was reading through it, and I was like, oh, this is actually, like, can work as a prequel to Signal of Screams, so maybe we Definitely. should start with this. Mm-hmm. I know Adam had to be sitting there just <laughs> dying, because the actual Roll20 AP came out, what, in the middle of book three for us, Adam? Yeah. We were in the last dungeon of book three, and they're like, hey, here's everything that you need to put into Roll20. And I mean, I was just (laughs) so furious. I was like, okay, great. Yeah, Yeah, we're I know know your pain. (laughs) Yeah, we're happy to use that because then it's, you know, less art that I had to draw or that Nick had to find (laughs) for the show. And I mean, just setting up Roll20 in general is... The map placement is so much better in an official one because if you try to pull it from the PDFs from Mm -hmm. Paizo, it doesn't line up. They're not square. Yeah. You know, like... They always have, like, that leftover half grid space on the edge. Well, but, like, even the rows and columns aren't consistent. You know, like, (laughs) there'll be, like, a row in the middle of the map that's, like, 
a few centimeters shorter mm-hmm. than. Yeah, and even <laughs> the uh, even the art and the PDF is fairly low resolution, so you it end is. up getting some like real artifacty. Ugly looking maps. Um, yes, I have learned some techniques in Photoshop to clean them up. I can share that with you later if you want. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. I found a, a I found a um, an I image upscaler that yeah. does pretty does pretty mm-hmm. well for it. But yeah, it's it's one of the, uh, but they're getting better. They're releasing map packs now with with every adventure path that are a little bit cleaner. Still a lot of trouble to get out of the PDF itself. Yeah, but like they're 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 better drawn and they are um, higher resolution, you know? Yeah. There is work that goes into this. <laughs> yeah. A lot Definitely. Of a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had to like manually put in five books so far yeah. in the world 20. That's a lot. Yeah. I did the first uh, three books of dead sons and yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, dice versa has now, as far as I know, completed uh, and released all of book one yeah, yeah, of yeah. the AP. That is correct. So, yeah. so let's get into it a little bit. Sure. What did you guys think of the first part of Aeon Throne, and what are your, some some of your favorite moments and least favorite moments in in that uh, section of the AP? Oh man, I am really liking it. I think all of the NPCs in the first book are just top notch. All of them mm-hmm. are so much fun to play. They're all just like really. They have great, uh, you know, relationships with each other and uh, makes it really easy to get, you know, get the relationship going with the PCs. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. What do you think, Tony? I I love it. I, I love Jellic. I love, you know, all, all of the random NPCs that were there. They were all great, especially, you know, Nick portrayed them all very well. And, you know, Adam, you actually did a really great job, too, when I listened to your guys' stuff and... You know, seeing all the, it was it was great seeing how differently you guys handled and dealt with the NPCs and then the way we did, and then I realized, oh shit, we missed a bunch of people that we didn't talk to. <laughs> um, yep, but uh, <laughs> but it's great. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. It was fun having just like this, you know, jungle like kind of excursion. You know, uh, the one thing I did think was very odd, which I you know from listening to your guys's you know, show, uh, which you guys more or less had the same opinion was, it was weird to start off immediately with space combat. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. let's, let's take the, you know, this relatively complex system compared to, you know, most, you know, some other comp systems and then give you the even more complex ship combat to start off with. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a jarring transition. It throws you right in there. Yeah, you know? like our, and it's not a particularly interesting starship combat either. Right? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like we uh, that the, the sp- that spaceship combat finished our our first session when we recorded. So you know, whenever we record, we record it a session, you know, like a standard you know tabletop RPG session. So like three hours of recording that that first episode of Dice Versa, which is what, like forty six minutes. That's the entire three-hour session <laughs> condensed yeah. to 46 minutes because we had to cut out all of the bullshit from the space yeah. combat. We did not all fucking know. All of us know. going like, yeah, just going like, wait, wait, what can I do this? this turn? Did, is it my turn? <laughs> oh, man. How did no, ship combat do? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> like, well, have you guys really turned, so to speak. It's more like, <laughs> have yeah. you downloaded the cheat sheet yet? Have you got the PDF cheat sheet? 
Um, I don't think so. We'll hook you up with that. It'll change your life. It'll change your life for Star Trek. Yeah, please do. It's It's so good. It's like this. It's the reason that we're able to do Starship combat with the fluidity that we're able to. Mm -hmm. It's because we've all got that thing pulled up, and it's just like quick references. It's whoever made it. I I don't. I want to give them credit, but I don't know. I have it on hand. Uh, But it's a fantastic document for sure. I think, you know, real quick, I think the strength of book one of Aeon Throne, uh, and I've said it before, I think, is that it creates a fantastic sandbox to, mm-hmm. to ease you into it. And it's, it's, it's not railroady because there's a lot of options that you have where to go, who to talk to, when and where, but it doesn't allow you to abandon the plot and go start a tavern, yeah. you know? Like yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's very it's localized. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it does a yeah. good it job me of the starter zone. Yeah, it's a it does a good job of keeping you on task without making it feel like you're forced into it too much. You know, it's just like, hey, help us out, please. Here's a bunch of stuff that you can yeah. go do. Handle it however you want. Exactly. And then I like that. Kicked also- by a bunch of drones. Right. Oh, well, God, yeah, same. right. The yeah. drones. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say I like that the enemies are enemies that are relevant to the bigger story. A lot of time, early parts of adventures, you're just fighting random stuff. Mm-hmm. You know Rats what I mean? Like, yeah, and like, and and it makes sense. Like, because the it, what I like is that these Aslanti that you are fighting are not like actual Aslanti soldiers. They're recruits. They're like, right. they're like, they they were just out on a training mission before they decided before they got roped up into condus right so like you're 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 fighting level equivalent enemies but it makes sense within the story and it gives you an opportunity to like hate them from the get-go you right. know you're not like waiting for the overarching enemy to show itself it's like oh man space nazis suck yeah. like right from the start that was one know? of the things that we talked about early on you know like episode two is when we had our first ground combat mm-hmm. and there was a very brief discussion of like are we gonna be murder hobos with the islanti and just go around killing all of them and i was like guys these the islanti <laughs> suck don't feel bad yeah. about killing them. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are yeah. literal space knights. I didn't know they were just recruits, though. We fucking suck. <laughs> we had so much trouble with these guys. Yeah. Well, they're like they're like privates, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah. right? They're right, not right. They've had some training, you yeah. Know, like, but they're they're not because initially, I think we even talked about it, like, how are we fighting? So, well, how are these level one characters fighting? As you know, it's supposed <laughs> to be this premier, mm-hmm. you know, high functioning military the, mm-hmm. the might of the aslanti or whatever but like they, these are low ranking like Maybe. not even officially yeah you know maybe they just got put, pulled into it by yeah. uh by that one guy whose name i'm not gonna say because tony's here oh oh right 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 <laughs> yeah but that one guy yeah, yeah i can leave i can go to the restroom <laughs> <laughs> no, no no we won't do that to you yeah uh, yeah, it's a good adventure. It is. For yeah, sure. I, I would say like my favorite part of when we played it, uh, sort of just to tie it all in, is again, on episode two, we had our first ground combat and it went real poorly. Like almost <laughs> almost TPK'd there on the first combat. Um, and it was really tense and really fun. And then we get to the next encounter and they just like, wipe the floor with the enemies there and it was nice. just that dichotomy that juxtaposition was just so funny it was yeah. great um we so so we were mentioning a little i think before before the air uh 
like re-recording stuff. Uh, we actually had to re-record episode two, uh, or specifically session two, because I forget what happened, but like some of the footage got fucked up and just like, you know what, let's just re-record everything, guys. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's yeah, we like bad. lost an entire audio file or something like that. Something like oh, that. Yeah. I think someone's audio got like screwed over. Um, so we're just, so we're like, fuck, I guess we got to re-record session two. Um, but it was, it was hilarious because the first time we did, we played through that section and, you know, uh, in the original recording, it actually went super smooth. <laughs> we did fantastic. <laughs> we like snuck up on these dudes, took them out super quick and just like beat the shit out of the Hobgars and like the second encounter, you know, and so when we recorded, we're like, oh, my God, this is way more harrowing yeah. this time. The second time, the <laughs> oh, dice no. were not on your guys' side. No, the dice oh, were yeah. very mean. But, like, I actually ended up liking that more because it was it felt more dramatic. And it was more interesting than just going in and just wiping out the dudes. <laughs> right. For sure. Well, For sure. so now you're, you're into recording book two, right? Yep. And... um you've re- released this series of mini apps called adrift. And, um, as you may know, we're big fans of taking time to focus on the quote unquote quiet moments mm-hmm. kind of in between the action of the AP. So it's really cool to see y'all doing something similar. Um, how has the mini episode process differed from your main adventure episodes? You know, not, not much. Um, <clears throat> They are like the way we make them is pretty much the same. We actually recorded them all in a single session like we do with our normal episodes and just cut them up. Uh, Originally, we were going to put it all out as one episode in between chapters. But then, you know, we came to realize that our production time is not like would not allow for that. We needed more time to work on episodes. So we decided to cut it up into smaller chunks and to put it out over time to give our viewers, you know, a little bit of something to sort of ease that gap between main content. Um, so as far as like the process of making them, there's not really much different. I think the biggest thing is like, like you said, we get to really delve into the characters and it's a lot more hands off for me as the GM, because I just set up these situations and then I say, okay, this is what's happening. It's, you know, the people who are in this scene are Uko and Nevesa and there's some weird stuff happening around Uko, you guys work it out, you know, mm-hmm. and just let them sort of go and improv the scene. And and so, yeah, it's it's a lot more hands-off for me, a lot less prep for me, and just sort of, like like I said, just letting them go and have fun with it. Yeah, the, on, on one of the later episodes, we actually weren't even in Roll20 at first until I asked to do something, and Nick was like, oh, shit, I guess we got a little Roll20 for you to roll some dice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are always fun. And I know that Adam feels the same way, Nick, that he he really enjoys getting to be hands off and kind yeah. of just let scenes play out. I, I actually yeah. I actually really got inspired by what you started doing, Adam. Uh like like in I I forget which episode, but you started going like, like, all right, let's you know, I wanna take some time. You know, I know we have this adventure going on, but I wanna, you know, just check in with each character and find out where their headspace is at, you know, and it was, it wasn't necessarily like, you know, forcing the, you know, the the players to RP with each other, but you're just speaking individually to each person and saying like, Hey, how's your character doing? And I thought that was really cool because, you know, n- not everyone like some, sometimes role playing is, is a little un- unnatural sometimes to some people, sometimes people like, I really want to explore my character more, but 
you know, sometimes people wait for the, the prompt and sometimes it doesn't show up in role play, you know, you right. know and, and I, I like you doing that because it, it'll give people th- that opportunity to be like, oh yeah, this is what characters thinking and what they're doing. And I, I thought that was really cool. And it's something I try to in- incorporate now in games. And, you know, I'm, I'm not DMing a lot. Uh, I'm playing in more games, but I'll, you know, say that, you know, talk to the GM and be like, hey, you, you should try you try using this tool that I learned from my friend Adam because it's really cool and really really handy. Yeah, I mean I appreciate that. Um, for me, it's just because I'm just interested, you know. Yeah. And like there's in like most of the games that we play, don't they? You there's no way to get what a character is thinking on on the inside. Exactly. Yeah asking them because like it's not going to come there's a lot of things that a character may be feeling and thinking inside that they're purposefully keeping inside because of Mm -hmm. who we are as people you know and it's there's not like an appropriate time to just say hey i'm feeling this way right now like in the middle of 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 stuff so i like to present those opportunities whether or not we're actually role-playing or not we're still just talking about what your character's feeling so we can me and the listeners and everybody can kind of be in the headspace and like realize, Hey, we just did a whole adventuring day where we almost died like six times. What is that? You know, there's an effect that's going to be, yeah. There, what kind know? of toll does that take on? <laughs> you? Yeah. I, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, that's genius. It's so cool because it, exactly what you said, it, it allows, you know, cause everyone that plays, you know, it's like, Oh, you, you have like, if you ask someone's like, uh, they they always have like a thought process like it's like oh my character is feeling like this and this is why they did that you know because they were they were feeling this way and they reacted this way you know but no one ever like hardly ever hears that so that was a great way to to bring that up to give people that chance to to explore that and and show the you know behind the things behind the scenes wheels turning you know for their characters right. and also it's a great way too because then the other players can hear that and they're like like oh you know, things aren't so, uh, you know, one dimensional with these characters, you know, and, and maybe, you know, even though out of character, they're not, you know, witnessing what's, you know, what their other people are saying, but it'll at least then it might give you the opportunity to be like, oh, hey, you know, maybe my character now realizes that this person's feeling such and such way. Maybe I can you know, follow the, up with that and ask them about it. So mm, it, it, right, it opens right. up op- RP opportunities as well, which is why I really yeah. liked it and thought it was really cool. And like for us, you know, spoilers for the second minisode. So if you haven't watched that, spoiler warning, but Just now hold your that, ears for a minute. Exactly, plug your ears. Uh, but <laughs> now that Mishka and Uko are bonded, like they have this supernatural ability to sort of sense each other's emotions, each other's thoughts, that sort of thing. So... I think doing something like that is is something that I'm going to have to be definitely more conscious of as I go forward. Uh, just checking in with Uko and Mishka so that you know they're as players they're aware of what the other characters are feeling as well because now right. there's a mechanic around it. Right now they're they're supposed to know that right mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love the interlude format. I hope that y'all continue to work that into your release schedule. I thought they were really cool. Like, as I said, I really love the quiet moments in between. Those are oftentimes my favorite in episodes. And so y'all did a good job with that. And I think not only does it buy you the time that you're looking for, but the little digestible bites gives a real focus to a particular thing. And like you can 
take that in and like really process that moment. And I think yeah. it was, it's a good call, you know. Thank you. Yeah, we have um, three more, I think, in the can. Um, we just put out the fourth one on Wednesday. And yeah, we have seven total. So we have some more coming out that are ready to go. Um, we don't know, like, we've been putting them out monthly at this point. Um, and we might continue doing monthly. We might do it quicker if we get more work done. Uh, it's really just a matter of how quickly we can get our to season two, <laughs> our chapter two production stuff schedule is always the boss. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, one thing I actually do, I did remember though, uh, which is nice about the, the adrift episodes, um, the mini episodes is it, originally, you know, we, we did record them all and or most of them in one sitting, but then after we, we figured out what we were going to do with them and, you know, we were just like, Oh, we're going to release these as mini episodes. We actually did record a few a few more after that, so to be like, it's like, oh yeah, this is cool to explore. So maybe we'll we'll record a few more things, and you know, it's like to try and figure out it's like what what stories do we want to tell, and what you know things do we want to explore with these many mini episodes, and maybe mm-hmm. also have you know some of these the content from these mini episodes carry over into you know campaign two or not campaign two. Uh, book two and stuff like that season two yep. so yeah it's speaking like, of book yes, two ways yeah. to set up stuff <laughs> yeah there you go thanks for the thanks for the alley-oop man hey. so uh just i know we can't get too into spoilers but uh nick what are you looking forward to in book two is there anything you can kind of like should i get my earmuffs <laughs> um so honestly the i'm really looking forward to um you know that i will just sort of minor spoiler here because your listeners have already uh have already heard what's going to happen Mm -hmm. at least like the general strokes of it um i am really looking forward to seeing how they're going to deal with gulta when they get there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um just knowing the way that this group has dealt with um circumventing the islanti or at least trying to in the past and just (laughs) The way that they RP encounters, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. But me too. Um, I can't, that that is what I'm most looking forward to. I will say we have recorded <laughs> the first um, the first chunk of it uh, where they're on Outpost Z, and when they go and they're trying to find Talmrin, uh, and they're talking to all of the different NPCs <laughs> in the marketplace. Uh, doing all of those NPC voices and all of those interactions. When I was editing that episode, I just had the biggest smile on my face the entire those time. Those are so good. <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun. It was yeah, so it much fun. And that uh, that episode is just like, it's hilarious. It's so funny. I can't wait for people to see There's it. There's just so many yeah. good aliens. And Nick, as always, does a fantastic job of RPing and voicing them. It's, it's very fun. And I'm excited to see uh, our viewers' reactions. To, to that yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it i'm looking yeah. forward to seeing how how differently or similarly you mm-hmm. know you handle something it's it's always fun um listening to another group run the the same ap that you've right. run mm-hmm. because yeah. you just get to yeah. compare and contrast it's a lot of a lot of fun <laughs> um well aeon throne's awesome i'm glad you guys are running it and you know i just want to say before we move to another subject that Obviously, we respect you guys very much and what you're doing with this adventure. I mean, this it's a, it's an adventure close to our heart. I mean, it's the it's the opening bread and butter of our show, and so we we genuinely are like 
impressed and pleased about what you've done for with the adventure so far. And if you're listening to this and you haven't checked them out by now, for real, go check it out. It's, it is different enough for you to enjoy it, even though you already heard us play it because they're doing a really bang up job with it. But you're doing other things too. Yeah, thank you guys. We've got a little Let's Play action going on. <laughs> yeah, we do. So we have. in between, yeah, in between these books, you're playing Baldur's Gate three. Uh, <laughs> I myself am a huge fan of the early Baldur's Gate games. I played those when I was in high school. A little age check there, I guess. But um, and I'm very excited to get into Baldur's Gate three when it officially comes out, uh, and I have the proper machine to run it. Um, but First off, the question I want to ask you guys, have either of you played the original Baldur's Gate games, one and two? I've dabbled in them. I've never played them all the way through. Um, I, I watched my brother play a lot of them. He's a little older than I am. So I watched him play all, all of them back when we were kids. Um, and I've dabbled in them, but not much. What about you, Tony? Did you play it I, at all? I unfortunately did not play the originals because uh, those were mainly on PC, right? I I did not. Oh, yeah, I did not have a good PC until like after college. <laughs> yeah, um, there they were. I they, I mean, they were my first introduction to D and D, like because they're very much based on the system like yeah. it's the rules of D. &D yeah. they you were know? based on advanced D, D, right yeah yeah and so that is a whole mess of rules yeah. you know <laughs> uh, the games got have gotten better you know like since yeah. then although a lot of people still love the old school vibe of it but mm -hmm. it was it was a challenging game you know but the story was awesome um and i like really really loved them and then i recently downloaded like their re-release of it that's like a little bit upgraded and packaged you know um you can get it through steam or whatever and start playing through it again um but it really just like introduced that idea of like uh of really being able to do what you want as an rpg and making it like translating that experience to a computer you know or mm -hmm. to a video game or yeah, whatever definitely. like it really opened that space and so i guess my my follow-up question is going to be a little tainted because you guys haven't had too much experience with it. But um, I know that Baldur's Gate 3, the gameplay style is drastically different from these those early games. Um, most notably that it's gone turn-based. Yep. Uh, in, the, in the old ones, like you literally had to pause it right. and like think about what you were going to do mm. and then you know it kind of cue some things up because everything happened in real time. Uh, so Baldur's Gate 3 is made by the same company that did uh, Divinity, which mm -hmm. is well known for being excellent at its mechanics and, and turn-based system. And so I'm excited that it's going to that. Uh, but it's also upgraded the mechanics from AD&D up to 5e. Yep. Um, so my question was, does Baldur's Gate 3 still feel like it's part of the same series? Let me Let me rephrase that to say, does it still encapsulate the playing a game of D and D in the same way that Baldur's Gate did in the early days. I think that they did a really good job of translating the fifth edition rules into a video game. Um, you know, they had to make some concessions on certain things to make it actually functional um, as a computer game. But I think they did a really good job. And I think, you know, there's only the first act out right now, but even that, it definitely feels like you are in Faerun, you are seeing monsters from, 
you know, the uh, the monster manual. You're seeing classes and abilities from the player's handbook and all of that stuff. So I think that they did a really good job of staying really faithful, but also making it a little bit more streamlined so that it can function as a computer game. Mm-hmm. So uh, what classes have you guys played so far or <laughs> checked out? Um, so this is like my third playthrough of the of the early access stuff. So I've played um, a ranger, a warlock, and now I'm playing a fighter in our, our Let's Play series. Nice. Yeah. It's how, nice. And, and how do those feel? Uh, they feel Which great. Which of those do you like? Um, Warlock is a lot of fun. I think out of the three, Ranger was my favorite. Um, just because you have a lot more um, diversity of abilities. You can sort of talk to any anybody or any animal or whatever you want at any time. Uh, and I really... Whenever I play a, an RPG like this, I always want to have all of the dialogue options available to me, you know? <laughs> so um, that was a big part of why I like the Ranger. But the Warlock, you know, just like in 5th edition, the moveset is pretty limited and you only have the limited amount of spell slots when you're playing. But, like, you are such a powerhouse. and Blasting like, that Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast. Yeah, just, yeah, 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 just a it. glass yeah. cannon the entire time. Yeah. Just destroying stuff from afar and it's really satisfying that's cool <laughs> awesome yeah i've just played the fighter and a druid so far i think the fighter is just because I, I remade one of my characters from another campaign i was like oh I would, you know and it's early access so they don't have everything yet and i usually like to play the weirder classes so they don't have the the ones I I truly enjoy playing yet. So I'm excited yeah. to Blade try those, Singer. like uh, <laughs> like Barbarian, and I really There's I'm no. really curious to see how a monk would play in in this. Yeah, um, I want a sorcerer. Yeah, and sorcerer. So I'm I'm looking forward to trying those. But so far, I'm having a lot of fun with the druid. It's it's <laughs> if you guys have seen our dice versa plays videos, it's I have a lot of fun turning into a stupid bear. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the animation when you sneak around as the bear is just so top good. notch, top notch. The one downside about the druid is you can't talk to people when you're in animal form, so you kind of uh, have to either waste a wild shape to switch back out to talk to someone, or just not use it until you get into combat or whatever. So it's you just right. gotta bear with yeah. it, man. Ha. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy! That was my time. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We'll see you. Uh, <laughs> um. So, are, are there any, anything you're looking forward to in the finished product of of Baldur's Gate Three that you've heard about? Or, uh, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is getting the other character classes in. I would love to see that. Um, <laughs> I think that we may have broken the game with our last session. We may have gotten into a state oh, yeah. where uh, we <laughs> might forgot. have trouble progressing the story from where we are now because we started a fight that I don't think we were supposed to start, and now Oops. all of the NPCs hate us. Oh, no. So um, we may it. have broken the game. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that it. being fixed. <laughs> well, that's like the purpose of a beta early exactly. release, right? Yeah. Is yeah. to see if you can break it. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We so were you're trying looking to do, forward to not breaking the game? <laughs> we're trying to do uh, like an evil run where we're just playing the biggest assholes that we can be. Um, and turns out 
that's not how they expect you to play that game. <laughs> how can they not expect that? <laughs> Tur- turns out that's very chaotic. <laughs> I'd say that's probably more right. more our our party's alignment in that game. It's more chaotic rather than specifically yeah, that's evil. True. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So yeah, the Baldur's Gate three run. It's up on on YouTube. Yep, it yeah, is. We're putting check it out, out there. With we have, uh, we have four episodes out. Yeah, we're we putting find... that out every other week. Um, mm-hmm. Again, mostly just to fill the gap in between chapters. Um, those uh, those videos are definitely a little less popular than our main ones, but. Uh, the people who do watch them seem to enjoy them. So we'll probably keep putting them out um, as long as we can keep playing the game and it's not actually broken. We'll see. Yeah. Right. And I, I edit those videos, so I try to make them stupid and silly. I try to throw in my, right. my dumb little edits in there to entertain yeah, mostly the, uh, myself the Warlock, while editing. <laughs> the Warlock does not yell Kamehameha when they use Eldritch Blast. That's Tony's doing. That's true. <laughs> uh, so we actually have a couple of listener questions sure. uh, real quick. Um, uh, our uh, resident curmudgeon in Discord, Commodore, asks, uh, well, he doesn't, well, I guess he's <laughs> stating a fact and then asking as he does. Okay. I see, he says, I see you've embraced the truth that three PCs is the best table size. <laughs> uh, is, what He asks, what do you guys love about small table play? Uh, well, I agree with him completely. I do think that three PCs <laughs> is the best table size, especially for an actual play. Um, it just keeps everything flowing a lot quicker. Um, it gives us less to edit, <laughs> which yep. is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of it goes back to just like the rule of threes, you know, like it's just more satisfying you sort of just have everybody can sort of play off of each other there's nobody ever left hanging um yeah it just it just flows really really well mm-hmm. it, it, yeah it was also sure. like not not just that but you know when when we were talking about starting up dice versa and you know we we really wanted to be like deliberate and careful about who was in the crew you know because Everybody, you know, well, not everybody, but, you know, a lot of people like playing tabletop RPGs, but some people, some people's play styles are different than others. So we, we wanted to make sure we had a, you know, that the crew was, was, you know, comprised of people cohesive. yeah, that were, that were cohesive and, and like-minded and, and wanted to, wanted to role play as, you know, and, and bounce off of each other and, and have fun and not be assholes <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah for sure i mean we ha- i think we had like seven or eight people at one point wow. in Oof. our oh, this, in was, our, this is pretty the show right oh, okay. pre, yeah okay. pretty the show yeah, so yeah, when yeah. it came time for us to to, to start southern tom Fluery, it was like we can't have an eight person table mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. and yeah. we had to do a, a similar sort of thing where you know friends who maybe didn't have the the bandwidth Mm-hmm. Or the availability mm-hmm. to to commit to that project. They didn't have those sweet sweet radio voices. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we still love them anyway. We still yes, love them if they're if they're listening. Um, another question that I have. Uh, the next question, I guess, the final question because we're 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 a little crunched for time. But Jake the synth asked, "What made Uko choose Mishka over Navisa?" Uh. Well, you, I guess well they're not here yeah, to answer. That's, but. <laughs> a, that's a question for Eric, but I'll do my best to answer uh, just based on we actually you'll 
you'll get a little taste of it when we finally release uh, the first episode of Chapter 2. But, uh, you know, Uko is a very military-minded individual, and he puts physical and battle capability above a lot of other stuff. Um, and I think that he just saw more capability in Mishka than he did in Nevesa, even though Nevesa is technically like a consulting detective for the stewards, but um, <laughs> she, you know, her her battery pack falls out of her gun a lot. And <laughs> I think that may have tainted her in Uko's eyes. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Yeah, I excellent, think, I think we, we actually touch on that on, on one of the Adrift episodes, uh, the one specifically where they get bonded, but it, it was more or less, right. you know, Uko saw... Mishka as a uh, as a fellow kindred warrior spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that that's a nice, succinct way of putting it for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, gentlemen, we have really enjoyed having you. Thank you for coming on today. We want to give you a quick chance uh, to tell what, what's coming up for Dice Versa. You know, we know you have book two coming out soon. Uh, can you tell about when that releases? You know, what's next for, for Dice Versa? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having us on. Like, yeah. definitely been looking forward to this. And I think it's awesome that you guys are shining the spotlight on other shows like you do. So thank you so much for doing that and for having us on. Yeah, thank um, you guys. It means a lot yeah, for our, course. our awesome, small, growing show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We want people to check you out. Yeah, you know, for sure. it's, it's, it's so fun. Um, as far as what's next, um, so one thing that we tell people when they say like, uh, you know, are you still making the show? I hope you guys can keep making the show. We say we're going to keep making it as long as life doesn't get in the way, and that is still the plan. And life has gotten in the way a little bit as of late uh as i told you guys i'm in the middle of moving i just got married and just life is chaotic right now nothing real big nothing (laughs) huge um but yeah things are a little chaotic and but we're still plugging away and uh like i said we have three more mini episodes in the can so that should take us at least through august if we need to uh and our hope is to release chapter two as soon as we can um we want to get at least like five episodes done before we put start putting them out so that we have a little bit of a buffer in between what we're releasing and what we're working on um and we are getting we're getting there but it's been a process um so we want to put it out i'm gonna say like at the latest we'll be releasing chapter two in september but hopefully 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 much earlier than that yeah excellent fantastic (laughs) yeah okay cool 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 uh so where can everyone find you i know we've we've mentioned it before but go ahead plug away yeah you can find us the easiest way to find us is to go to diceversa.net there you'll see our uh you know we have embedded youtube videos and all of our social media is linked on there uh, but if you just want to find us on social media, we're at Dice Versa Play Show on Twitter and Instagram. And I think we have a Facebook group as well. Yep. So, um, And then there's also the Dice Versa Discord server, which you can check out. And there's also the Dice Versa Patreon. If you end up checking out the show and you really like it and you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash Dice Versa. And we put out bonus content. We put out like... Uh, 
episode extra. So we do commentary for every episode where we go back and watch it and just talk about the session and what we were sort of thinking at the time. And we also put out like, yeah, those are fun. We also put (laughs) out like deleted scenes and other little bonus things for, for our Patreon backers. So yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good bits from uh, the deleted scenes, which is us just saying dumb shit that (laughs) is often super irrelevant and gets cut out (laughs) from the main episode see we just leave that shit in man (laughs) (laughs) some of it yeah yeah (laughs) but hey um guys thanks so much for having uh for taking your time coming on the show uh we we loved having you on we really enjoy what you're doing over there at dice versa um so thanks again for coming on and uh just want to know do you guys want to do a proper stf send-off with us sure hell yeah Okay, all right, so we'll We'll see see you. I didn't know what to say. I'm sorry.